Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Maccabee Griffin. And I'm Marcella. And this is Beyond the Pen, where we take the well-known adage, read between the lines to a whole new level and beyond. Each week, we sit down with a new author to not only discuss one of their books, but also learn the story behind the story. Marcella! Hey, Mac. Hey, I'm so happy that you're back. Back from here. Back from the dead, of course. You guys keep... I, I am not person. a zombie. I am not a vampire. If I'm a creature of the night, we've already discussed this, I would be some kind of shadow creature or a werewolf. That's it. Or or is that a Mexican joke? Because Day of the Dead is Mexican. I'm not... I, I, no, that's... That, no, I got it. This will uh, be uploaded on Day of the Dead. That's right. Yeah, it is. It will definitely be. Okay, yeah. So, again... Thank you for coming, coming back from the dead. We appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I have to do something to mess with you. You know this I by know, now. I know. Annoying kid brother. Hey, you're the one that gets me all the time with everything else. Off the thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyways, so let me ask you a question. Um, what was one of your favorite kids' books when you were growing up? When I was growing up, a kid's book? I was yes. going to say The Origin of Species, but that's not really a kid's book, is it? Not really, no. That's more of a... Yeah, no. Uh, let's say it was the Oz series um, okay. and Mary Poppins, and I really okay. enjoyed um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. I really want the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. okay, all right. Well, for me, I think my first one was actually the Hardy Boys, but oh. yeah, it was the very first book I ever got. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is because we have a very good uh, book that is called Lucy and D: The Silk Road. 
by Miss Kirsten Marion. And this book is very, it's actually well written. Um, takes, takes a lot of fantasy with a little bit of, what do I say, uh, mythology and some other things in there. Uh, but it's fun. It, a little bit of history, too. So, um, I like how you say it's very well written. Yes, it's very would, well would written. Would you have said otherwise if it wasn't? Honestly, uh, we wouldn't have ever no, had that would, conversation. I would have said it. You wouldn't have said it. <laughs> That's true. Well, here, if it's not well written, I'm not going to bring them on the show anyway. So <laughs> it, it's just a given that people that come on here know what they're doing. But here's the other thing. This Miss Kirsten Marion is not also not only a writer, but she's also a publisher as well Ooh. of Common Deer, Common Deer, Common Deer's uh, publishing. I'll, we'll fix. We'll get that because we're going to bring her up right now. And there she is. Hello. <laughs> it's Common Deer Press. There we go. Common Deer Press. See. I knew I would get it right. Come into your press. Anyways, thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate you being on here. Pleasure. So one of the things we always ask, uh, first off, just to throw it out there, could you please introduce yourself? But most importantly, tell us something we can't find on the Internet about you. Hmm. You can't find on the Internet that I am a travel junkie. And that I live for chocolate. It explains a lot about the book now. I, I can get yes. it. I can get it. So, yeah, Lucy and I didn't fall far from the same tree. No, not at all. I, I figured that out real quick. Which is funny because that was going to lead to my very first question. What inspired this book and the characters? Um, I have been reading voraciously since I was a kid. Um, and my favorite books were, were the fantasy books, the Narnia series, the, um, uh, Madeline Lengel, uh, Wrinkle in Time, Mary Poppins, the, the ones you mentioned. Um, so that, that's always been my first love. And I believe in books for kids. I think they're really important for children. And fantasy is a good way to introduce them to all sorts of interesting ideas and concepts that um, might be harder for them to grasp in other um, settings. So that's what's inspired me. I've always loved writing. Um, and I was just really glad to be able to get this book out. Um, I do want to say, Marcella, that Dee would really appreciate your comment about the origin of the species being your favorite book as a child, um, because he's a science geek. Oh, and yeah, his, absolutely. Yeah, his hero of romance in this first book is uh, Sir Isaac Newton. Which leads me into some of, uh, some of the very first questions I was going to ask is, Anybody who reads the book will find out that uh, Lucy, like you said, loves traveling. She loves chocolate. She is very much the you, per se, in, in a way. 
And D, like you said, is a science nerd. He loves everything science. What got them into these specific subjects, per se? Because when we uh, are introduced to Lucy, her whole room is nothing but pretty much an entire map. Specific. Mm-hmm. And she's she's marked off different travel paths that she's gone, places that she wants to go, and all this other stuff. I think it's a function of having a great teacher in school. I mean, how often were you inspired to follow a path because you had a great teacher in a particular subject that really caught your imagination? And Lucy's favorite subject is geography. So this feeds into her need for adventure, but she also comes from a a family in straightened circumstances. Mm -hmm. Her parents are a bit feckless. You know, it's always the next big business idea is going to be the one that brings brings in the money. And her house is the only one on the block that's kind of falling down. Um, and she just wants more. She, she wants to get out of that. She wants an opportunity to expand. Um, and D... Um, these parents are archaeologists, so they're science-based to begin with. And he gets more interested in science when they disappear, and he's trying to find some way, any way, of raising the money to go and find them. So he turns to science and turns to alchemy in particular. So that's how they both got interested in their particular subject matter. And I'm glad you you brought that up, and and, uh, and I'll get to to D here in a minute. But I want to start with Lucy for a second because, also, like I said, one of the main things about her is that she has this one prized possession, which is a globe from her grandfather. Mm-hmm. But she also has all these. National Geographics. I think she has like five years worth of National Geographics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that her family is very hard on times, majority of the time, mm-hmm. where did she get those books from? Were they something from, you know, yard sales, uh, the library, even possibly from her grandfather as well? I'd say probably some from her grandfather and some from garage sales yard sales, people putting old newspapers out or magazines out to be collected for recycling. You know, she's she's not above scrounging for what she wants. Yeah, that's true. That's very true because she's also very uh, driven as well when it comes to getting out of that, per, that predicament. Mm, very driven, um, but also a bit reckless and impulsive. So you said before that uh, you're very much like uh, Lucy, who's one of the main characters. Um, did you uh, intend for that, for her to be uh, a smaller, younger version of you? Or when you were creating her, did you just say, you know what, I, maybe she'll like chocolate like me? You know, I'm curious about that. I'm always curious about that. Lucy, Lucy has evolved on her own. Uh, we share some similarities, but uh, she's, she's definitely her own person. Um, I think she's braver than I am. 
So yes, there's similarities, but she's not just a mini me by any means. Yeah, because I wonder where D would be actually if if that was the case from you, because I'm presuming because, like we've asked many other uh, authors and publishers, when it comes to the characters that we write, there's always at least some part of us that are in every single character. So would you say that some of the science behind D is something that you used to enjoy or you still enjoy as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a very close tie between perceptions of alchemy and magic, for example. Uh And um, I, I love research. I loved researching ideas for this book. So, yeah. I mean, I never wanted to pursue a science career, but I enjoy, I, I like knowing how the world works, trying to, he's just trying to figure out how the world works. Mm-hmm. And I think we share that. Well, because here's the other aspect of this. There's always a the reason to any madness that I bring into this uh, chaotic um, show. Uh, mainly it's just to keep Marcella on her toes, but, you know, that's just a different story in itself. Um, but you, when you first present these characters, there's, there's a major contrast between both of them in multiple mm-hmm. ways, uh, in, in their lives in general. You know, like you said before, with, with Lucy's, uh, family, they're, they're always waiting for that next great idea, that next great job's going to get them out of there. But yet, they're not always driven enough to go and stick it out as well. Oh, um, yeah. And then, of course, with um, D, his he's living with his aunt uh, Delia. Is that how you pronounce it, Delia? Uh, sure. <laughs> I hey, I I have to ask sometimes because there's always certain ones authors that have a specific way of saying the names. Um, but with her, she is a emergency room doctor. So they've got a little bit, they've got a lot more wealth comparatively. But there's also a contrast in the way that the children are supported. Uh, one's a lot harsher than the other. And you could tell just like the, the mood within the, the homes themselves are completely different from one another as well. Is there, is a, a specific, uh, reason why you, had that contrast between them when we first introduced to them? Well, they're kind of unlikely friends. Um, but they are. They're best friends. And I think I wanted to make them each very distinct individuals. Um, with, in some ways, uh, aligning goals, but in, in many ways, competing goals. And Certainly, as I'm slogging my way through book two, it becomes apparent that um, their friendship is strained considerably because of uh, diverging interests and goals. So it's an exploration of how friendships are formed, why they're formed, and how they can thrive even with great differences uh, between the two individuals. And 
you notice that honestly, the contrast doesn't even just start, just end with them. There's also some type of history between the families because when Lucy's leaving the home uh, to go to Dee's house because he's created another couple of explosions from his experiments. Um, <laughs> when his mother didn't go to plan. No, they definitely don't. There, there's been quite a bit of the explosions in the house, which is, and we'll get, get to that a little bit later, but there has to be some, some type of history between the families because her, Lucy's mom will never say his actual name. He's always, con, he's always associated with the words that boy. And is there a certain reason why she doesn't like him, or is it just because he comes from a, the other side of the tracks, so to speak? Hmm. I think it's, um, well, she doesn't even know Dee. She won't let herself get to know Dee. Uh, I think it's more if she feels threatened and that Lucy is, is judging her, um, and finding her wanting. Uh, which which gets into the whole uh, young teen, tween, girl, mother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just maybe maybe Dee's existence and his Aunt Delia's success as a doctor uh, just highlights their failures. So, so it's merely more of I'm jealous of them because they have something that I don't have. Mm, I think Maybe. so. Okay. I, I think so. I'd, I'd originally, yeah, I, I think that's probably it. It's, okay. Um, because it, here's the other thing with with the families that I've started to notice as well is that Again, like I said, there's there's a difference in supportiveness. So when we're introduced to Aunt Delia, uh, when Lucy gets there, she is welcomed with arms wide open, uh, is very warm and supportive and comforting. The house is very warm and soothing, uh, obviously with the scent of chocolate cake in the background as well. And here's where some of the mysticism comes into play is what they're celebrating and stuff like that. Um, but when you look at how supportive Aunt Delia is with D, I'm sorry for some, if, if I had a child and I love my children and I support them and everything like they do, but when you start to create explosions in the attic, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. But with her, it's like, oh, it's just another experiment gone, uh, not to plan again, and she just, it's so happy. Is there a certain reason why she just continuously allows this to happen? Well, she did go up and check that everything was fine. Yeah, of course, she does that, but still. You know, if if, if there'd been any damage, I think she probably would have shut it down. Um, You're laughing, Marcella. She is. That was my childhood. Um, yeah, yeah. Blowing things um, up, setting things on fire, bringing things into the house. Yeah. Usually yeah. what she stuff. Yeah. Uh, but my mother really, would, yeah, she would get angry. Yeah. 
these failures are more sound than fury. Um, you know, he, he makes a, a loud noise and a bit of smoke, but he, he doesn't actually blow stuff up um, un, until a little later on in the book. Yeah, yeah, that's a big explosion, by the way. And uh, Aunt, Aunt Delia is not going to be happy about that one. Um, no, no. <laughs> And you have to you have to read it to to get to that because I'm not going to tell you anything about that one because that one's just hmm, interesting. Um, but here's the other thing that I originally wanted to talk about when we're continuing with Aunt Delia is that um, because of these family, his parents, excuse me, uh, going on a trip, archaeological trip, there it's been a long time since they've been back. And unfortunately, there's no postcards, no nothing. Even the foundation that they are a part of doesn't know anything about where they went or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there is who is Aunt Delia related to? Is it his father or his mother? These father and mother, or are they just merely friends? That, like me and Marcella, Marcella's auntie to my kids. No, there's there's, there's a blood relationship. Um... I think the sisters, the okay. mother and, and the aunt, are okay. our sisters. Okay, so to me, she has to know something. There's something there because, again, she's so willing to allow him to do this stuff. She knows exactly what he's doing. But to me, honestly, I, I would not take on a family member, especially since she's single. And she's in this big house. I'm presuming there's servants and everything else attached to it as well. But I would want to know where you're going, what you're doing. I would know, want to know something. So is there something there? Does she actually know at least something, per se, to the mystery? Mm -hmm. And you're not going to say, are you? Because mm -mm. oh, it's not in this book. Oh, oh, oh. She said earlier something about a sequel, Mac. Pay attention. I, I am not. Anyways. <laughs> well, to me, I, I like that because she has to know something and she's just allowing him to do this stuff. But here's the other thing with when we're talking about their personalities just a little bit as well is that. D to me, honestly, I feel like he's got a little bit of ADD. Um, just because he gets so hyper fixated on certain, uh, scientists. And like you said earlier, mm -hmm. he's, he's very fixated on Sir Isaac Newton on this one when we are introduced mm -hmm. to him. Um, but yet Lucy has always tried to introduce more female um, scientist his way per se for alchemy mm -hmm. or chemistry because she knows that's what he's into right now. Is there a reason why he's so, he's just hyper fixated on certain uh, scientists compared to, to just going with it or is it just like one of those I'm down a rabbit hole and I just want to fixate on those type of people? Well, Sir Isaac Newton in particular um, the vast majority of his experiments were in alchemy. Uh, they just weren't published to the same extent as his uh, more physics experiments because it simply wasn't accepted 
at the time. Mm-hmm. So because Dee is so interested in alchemy right now, uh, Sir Isaac Newton was of the same period, the same temperament, the same interest uh, for for that subject. Right. But so that's, he, that's why Sir Isaac Newton at this point. Okay. Because I know for a fact that she actually states, I'm trying to get to the page real quick, um, one of the female alchemists that she's trying to introduce to him is uh, alchemist Mary the, the Jewess. Yep. And I was wondering why he didn't really, if there was a reason why he didn't really care to even look her up or anything like that. Is it, he's, she's just on the list for later on kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Exactly. These, these passions of his, like she calls them, you know, flavor of the month. Um, gotcha. They come, they go, depending on, maybe he does have a bit of ADD, but, uh, there's usually some method to his, his madness. Of course, because obviously, like I said, uh, with alchemy, there's always the, the he's trying to find the transmutation of uh, iron. Is it iron to gold or lead. carbon to gold? Lead to gold. Lead. Lead to gold. Sorry. Lead to gold. Um, but here, here's the other aspect of it. What is he going to do with that when he finally gets the chance to really um, finally have enough funds to go search for? Who's he going to be talking to? Is he going to be more talking to his What's his plan with this? Because, again, if the Foundation doesn't know anything, or at least they're not saying anything, you know, we're, 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 in his mindset, what is, he, what is his plan for this? I'm not sure he's actually thought much further than getting the money at this point and possibly tackling the Foundation to see if they can at least tell him which direction his parents, north, south, east, west, which way did they go? Mm-hmm. Um, surely you must have some idea. So I think right now he's just fixated on getting the money, and then what he does with it is phase two of his plan. Gotcha. So it's just like one step at a time kind of thing with him. I think so. He's fairly methodical, so he works things out as he goes along. Okay, so let, let's run back towards Lucy real quick. Because mm-hmm. in Lucy's mind, she's already stated pretty much, and even in in the situations like, what are you going to do when they you finally you know come to terms with it that they're not coming back? Yeah, she's to me, it almost feels like she's trying to keep comforting and, and trying to you know keep him going with this and as being supportive. But also trying to keep him realistic as well. Would you say that's pretty much what, how her relationship with him in this certain, uh, ideal is? Or is it merely just, we're going to work this together. We're going to finally just go and do whatever we got to do kind of thing. I think she's concerned that he isn't prepared to even consider the option that they're not coming back. Um, I mean, in Lucy's world, bad things do happen. Mm-hmm. You know, things don't work out to plan, this, you know, despite your grand ideas. Um, and she's, she's clear-headed enough, you know, there's been no communication for four years now. 
what do you think has happened? So, um, I think she would like to him to have a bit of a reality check, but she, she doesn't want to crush him either. So let's, let's fast forward just a little bit to mm -hmm. getting into the world of fantasy a little bit more. Now that we've, you know, the madness of setting these characters up for the readers and getting a little bit more glimpse into their psyche, their lives in general. Let's, let's go to the fantasy part right now. Why the silk road? And it being um, actually silk <laughs> as an actual yeah. rainbow silk. Yeah. I, I just thought that was kind of fun. Um, the silk road has always had a sort of mystique to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you think about it and it's, the mystery of the Orient and these big trade routes and, um, it, it all, the, the words themselves, the concept itself was already a bit fantastic, mm -hmm. um, out of the ordinary. So, and I also like the idea of them going to a completely different culture and one of the things about fantasy books is many of the books um, have echoes in current or past um, earth cultures. I mean, when you're creating a world, it has to hang on something. Mm -hmm. It has to hang on uh, something that the reader can intuitively kind of grasp without... Um, having to think too much about it. it. It has to be cohesive and make sense. So I have always been fascinated by the Orient, by Asia, um, but historic Asia. So I thought, well, I'll make Ceresia have echoes of maybe um, Asia of a couple of hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a more medieval pre-industrial society and just handling that is is quite a leap for the kids but it's it's also a, a, a different culture but one that in many ways will resonate with the modern reader that yeah because sense? yeah absolutely makes sense yeah because again when we're looking at this from a fantasy point of view there's there is that feel of Asian fantasy, Asian lore and mythology. Where did the uh, Lord of the Rocks come from? Um, uh, Mr. Uh, what is his name? Lord um, Petrum. Yeah, Petrum, yes. Can you explain him a little he bit? He just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, cause like, I don't remember anything, at least something close to no. mythology with him. No. No, um, no, he, uh, sometimes characters get away on you, and he was one that got away on me. Um, so, somebody though did have to tell the kids why they were there. Mm -hmm. And so his initial role was simply messenger in, in a way. Yeah. Um, he but, was definitely. Uh, he was definitely interesting because mm -hmm. he almost gave me that um, 
that never ending story type of feel with the mountains and the baby, uh, baby rock per se in terms of, you know, the mannerisms of how he talked to them and how he comforted them in the messaging part at least. And of course, him getting mad that they did something that they shouldn't have done. Um, and he was kind of upset mm-hmm. with that. Um, and I won't say mm-hmm. that because I want to, I want people to see that too. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it, if you could describe the feel of this new fantasy world that you have created, besides it being close to the Asian culture, what would you, how would you describe it to people? Well, Ceresia is a, is a vast country and it's, uh, it's been an empire for a long time. It's uh, ruled by, um, an emperor slash empress. Um, it, it also has a, a layer of, of nobility supporting the, the monarchy. Uh, it, it values beauty and culture and music, but it's also fairly, um, warlike. You know, you don't become an empire without being somewhat warlike. Mm-hmm. And right now the situation is that it's, uh, being misruled mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, there's a lot of unfairness and, um, abuse of people, um, not in any explicit terms, but just, um, yeah. I think it's interesting um, that you actually bring in the idea of a child emperor as well. Um, because obviously in history, there's been a lot of that. If you look at the Asian culture in general, um, and you notice that there is really a difference in how people present themselves to him, but also treat him as well. And to me, I was always wondering, you know, what would it be like to be a child emperor, but not have any friends because either you don't know if they're going to treat you differently because you're the emperor or are they, do they actually like you as friends? Mm-hmm. What do you think is when you were writing this and writing him up in general, what was the feel that you were really getting from him in terms of how he looks at things and how he really decides to treat people around him? Um, he is, you know, there've been lots of regencies throughout history. European history is, is full of them. Um, so having a ruler who's still under age is, is not an unusual situation. He's getting very close though to being a majority. He, so he's, he's much more, he's much older than, like he's not seven or eight. He's 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and has to wait two years, three years to reach age of majority. He's a spoiled brat, basically. Mm-hmm. He, uh, 
he has absolute power without having any power. But I mean, with one snap of his fingers, he can have somebody executed. Um, he has been sheltered completely from the outside world. He has no idea how how the average person lives. Um, he just thinks he should have what he wants when he wants it. And that's how it starts out. Now, kudos to him. Um, he is capable of change. If you could pull out one part of the world that you've created, or one specific character that you've created, what what part of that world would you believe is your favorite part, and you are so excited and amazed that you were able to to create that? Hmm. I think I think the things I love the most are the mythical creatures. So I'm going to. Uh, were you were you saying something, Marcella? Oh no, she's just giving me crap, most likely. Oh, um, okay. She's yeah, she's always giving me crap about something. But you know, since you've brought her up, you know, it's time, I believe, for her to really give us her questions and what she really feels throughout this entire journey of her own. And I don't have a, a feeling because I don't have a book, Mac. Okay, here we I, go. I, we've already we've already discussed this. Okay. She was prior to you getting on to me about getting your copy. You I guys can work that out. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So my first question is, what is your writing kryptonite? Oh, God, my job. <laughs> um, That's a new one. Only, well, it's... Um, it's a real competition because I love both. But when you own a company and you run the company and you're also trying to be, it's very left brain, right brain um, conflict all the time. Um, I try to carve out early morning hours to do the writing, but I'm also faced with the conflict that I'm on the West coast of Canada my business is run mostly from Toronto, which is a three-hour time difference. So when I wake up in the morning, it's already the start of the day in the east. So that's the biggest challenge for me, is dealing with that time difference and also having the juice to do the writing. Because if I wait till end of workday, I've made so many decisions during the day that my poor brain just wants to fall over sideways. So that's it. Yeah, I, I certainly resonate with that. I used to work for a company that was on the West Coast. So okay. I would have to wait three hours for them to get into the office. So mm -hmm. I understand that. So I do have another question um, before my final question. Um, you did mention a sequel. What else is in store for us regarding the series or otherwise? from you? Well, this was always going to be a trilogy. So I'm working um, pretty much oh, my editor's not listening. Um, 
finished uh, book two, and it's being published next fall, October 2023. And then there will be a third book to wrap up this particular narrative, but I'm not excluding the possibility of further books because the end of the third book leaves that open. But the initial the initial um, issues are resolved by the end of the third book. Oh, I love cliffhangers. I actually don't. But anyway, <laughs> so my my final question is: Is there a famous person, author, artist, otherwise, or a famous quote that you look to for inspiration helps you keep going? Just one. Um, Terry Pratchett. The author Terry Pratchett uh, has been a huge inspiration to me. And, uh, yeah, he's, he keeps me writing um, and keeps me engaged in, in what I'm writing. It's a huge loss when he, when he passed away. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you being on here. Did you have one more question, Marcella? No, I'm good. I was going to thank her for that because that was a good answer. Very good answer. So we want to thank you again, Kirsten, for being on the show. Please tell everybody where they can find you. If you have any uh, events coming up or any other books you would like to present from the publishing company, the floor is yours. Well, I would encourage people to check out our company website commandeerpress.com because we, especially now that we're getting into the holiday book buying season for kids, we have some fabulous kids books, some series, some standalones. So that's, that's the best way to find what we're doing because we, we post news and events and everything on there. And people can also connect with me through there. Thank you again for your time. We really appreciate you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. It's been it's been great meeting you, Marcella. Mac, you and I have talked before, but it's lovely to see you again. So, Marcella, what do you think? Oh, I, I love her. I think she's got an incredible calm demeanor, which is really nice. Yeah, and yeah. I I I need this book for Luna. Yeah. See, I see, I told you you would like it, and I know she would too. Well, she's getting into this thing where I don't want to read anymore right now. So uh-huh. <laughs> So we're gonna try to work her back into it. Yes, then. yes. I need really, really gotcha. something that's gonna grab her attention, yeah. Well, I definitely think this is going to grab her attention. Lucy and D, The Silk Road, there's a lot of great things in it, a lot of character development, a lot of magic in terms of the mysteries of the Far East that are mixed in with the fantasy lore. There's so much in there, and I, I really enjoyed it. Head over to KirstenMarion.com to learn more about her book but you can also come over to our website. That's where you can find it because she is going to have her own bio up with all of her links. And you can go to beyondthepenpodcast.com 
to find that, as well as any other things that you would love to learn about myself or Marcella, about the show, things that are going to be coming up, because there are some things coming up that we're going to be able to tell you guys later on about. No, we're having we're having fun, and they need to like I'm collabing with another podcast. I will be on behind a cereal box next week. Ooh, really? Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, this is fun. There, nice. There you go. Thank you for joining us. We love you all, and as I always say, keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go beyond the pen. So, what do you think, Marcella? Oh, I love her. I think she's great. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I know that. You love a lot of people. You're a loving person. You really yeah. are. How dare you? You want me? To I know. I sorry. You have I, 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 a reputation, Maccabee. You have a reputation. <laughs> Anyways, what are your thoughts on, on her on her book of what you've gotten out of this conversation? Um. So I was really interested in the hiding money mm-hmm. because I've seen that so many times in families that I know yeah. where they suddenly found a shoe box or a crate or a, um, a metal box filled with it. And I'm, I'm interested to read the book now just to see, you know, her thoughts on it, her, her perspective and her creativity. So, oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it was oh, the fact that it's set in, in an era where my mother swears I should have grown up. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. No, I do. I'm I'm not I, I'm not saying anything else. I'm My not, I'm not you should have been a flapper, and for the longest time, I didn't know what that was. There's so many things I could say on that. <laughs> behave yourself. Uh, please, this is my show. I don't have to behave. Come on now. This is hard, Okay, fine. You can have it too. Um. No, but for everybody else who doesn't know what that what flapper means, just go look it up. It's nothing bad, I assure you. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, but it is, it's definitely one of those. Uh, You're just making me more famous, you know. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm giving you a new reputation. New reputation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and if you want to know her reputation, her link is below too, because it says everything at her link tree, uh, forward slash Marcella with two A's and two C's and two L's. She likes to double down on a lot of letters. Uh, but for me, honestly, I liked it too. I really did. I love the era. So it makes it so much more fun for me to actually really be a part of it and trying to look at the history because there was one thing I actually didn't know. Until she actually presented it to me, was that the differences between the poorhouses, the workhouses, slash asylums? Because there was very little difference in them. Um, and I went down a rabbit hole. It was so fun just to look at the history. Um, but you know, it was one of those things that I really, really enjoyed reading. And you need to go to her website marykendallauthor.com get your copy of her book the spinster's fortune and we love you guys so much and we appreciate you not only listening to us but for those that are going to be watching this later as well please follow us share 
this episode as well as any other episode that is your favorite and tell us what you think. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast because that's the major one that everything else really applies to when you're looking at trying to uh, get us in front of more people and supporting all of these authors. Come join us. We have a fan page. Many of our authors are a part of the fan page. When they're in there, they see these questions. They will be happy to answer any of your questions. And then, of course, one of the things we really want to make sure that you guys are aware of is that, again, please, if you have a Roku, if you have a Google Play account, an Amazon Fire account, find Traverse TV, and then you will see a lot of us on VOD. We have 12 episodes up right now. And keep coming back to us. Keep coming, keep sharing, keep enjoying, because we want you to continue writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go beyond the pen. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.